um, and looking at social stratification and developing an understanding of uh, the differentiation between social classes, one area of focus that uh, we often talk about in the classroom is looking at and defining poverty. Uh, poverty, wealth, uh, each person's perspective. Um, I may meet an individual who would qualify for, say, uh, a low-cost or free lunch program at school, and they feel like they make enough money coming into their family, they don't want to live on any kind of assistance or social welfare um, prospect, that they will scrimp somewhere else to pay for their children's food while they're going to school. Where I'll meet other people who make their livelihood off of living under um, what's considered the poverty line. And so when we're looking at people and poverty, this is a really hard area, I think, to focus on and to discuss. We're at a time in our economy that individuals struggle in being able to pay their bills. We meet people now who had expensive cars and expensive houses and got into significant debt and then have been downsized or laid off and they're not able to meet um, their financial needs or demands. On the other hand, I meet people who make their um, livelihood or their life off of the social welfare system. I work with pregnant teenage girls and at times I'll have them come in um, for counseling and they're looking at making a parenting plan and they define that whole parenting plan down by what they qualify for. Uh, they may be able to get on a list and qualify for low income housing. They may qualify for um, what we call in our state SNAP, Supplemental Nutritious um, Nutrition Program, and that's the old-timey food stamps program to where they will receive two, $300 a month to um, kind of uh, lift up their income to where they can, can survive. Um, they may have small children and will qualify through a program in the health department, WIC, which is Women, Infant, and Children. And it's a food program that um, women can get when they find they're pregnant if they financially qualify for it and their child can remain on it until they're the age of five. So these are programs that are designed to help someone who finds themselves in a short-term system um, not being able to meet their financial needs. We have programs that help pay gas bills and electric bills. There's a program um, throughout the United States for someone who meets the financial qualifications, they can get a cell phone and it will provide them with maybe 200 minutes of cell phone usage per month. They can choose to add more on if they want and it's to help them in case of an emergency. When I worked within the social welfare system in the state of Virginia, I met families who were homeless. They may be living in their car, um, they may be living at a shelter. Their um, biggest concern was trying to get a job to get themselves into a home and to get them and their children settled. And one of the programs that we were so glad to see one agency open was a renting a P.O. box that they could have their mail delivered to and someone from the office went down every day and picked up the mail and they could come to the office and pick up their mail and um, cell phones that could be loaned to them so that when they were waiting for callbacks from interviews and things, they would able to be able to be reached. And so we're glad to see those programs nationally, but then I also, with every person who truly qualifies and needs that resource, we also find the individual who will, work, will choose not to work and um, work to qualify for those kind of programs. And we're very concerned in the field of social work with learned helplessness. We really don't want to see people making their livelihood or their lifestyle off of 
welfare systems. And so many of the programs throughout the United States, a person can receive their services for you know, several years or several months, depending on uh, the situation at hand. When I worked with single parent moms, I would really encourage them to get a job, to utilize the services, to have childcare so they could work, to be able to put money away, to know how to save, pay off debt, um, get into maybe a low income housing or a um, Habitat for Humanity build. Uh, that is one program that I would always strongly encourage my clients to get into because not only do they have to really have their finances in order to qualify for that, they have to put in sweat equity. They have to be willing to go work on someone else's house to be able to qualify for their own house. Um, too often I would meet families that um, chose to just struggle financially. Uh, one couple here in town, uh, he didn't. The, the woman stayed at home, the husband uh, had a hard time finding a full-time job, so we supported him while he was going and taking some classes to get some better skills to get employment. And then they were living in low-income housing uh, duplex, and they only paid $75 a month for their rent. And so we helped him get these skills. He became a uh, security guard. He got a job. Well, the minute that he got his job and he got his full paycheck, they immediately turned around and sent him a request to pay his full rent, which was $500 a month. So he's making minimum wage in a security guard position and trying that for two months, um, they couldn't afford it. And he came back to me and he goes, I'm really sorry, I'm quitting my job because I could afford $75 a month and we could live on all these other services, but I honestly can't afford $500 a month rent. I was like, oh my goodness and they chose to live in welfare. Another family that I worked with gained their earned income credit back, which at that time was $3,500 that the family got, and that money is comes from um, when they do their taxes, and it's to help kind of underwrite their family income for several months. But they were so in a hurry to get that money, they had debts from the holidays and other things, that they went to one of these renter centers in town and um, had them process the money for them. So instead of getting their full 3,500, they only got 17,5. The company kept half the money and they got half the money. And so I just shook my head with, you could have really lived off of this for several months, but you cut it off because you couldn't wait for 30 days, but they were living paycheck to paycheck and they'd extended themselves. Unfortunately, I see this with students getting their student loans. They will get more money than they need and then take, you know, realize that they're going to pay back their student loans. I know one young lady that works in the community that contacted me about wanting to change her career position and um, had been an administrative assistant at a business. And I said, what do you want to do? And she started telling me and we started helping her look for other jobs. And I said, you know, what's happened? Have you gotten a layoff? What, why are you looking? And she said, no, I just celebrated last month. I paid off my student loans. And so now I can really do what I want to do. And I said, how long did it take you? And she said, 16 years. So I use that example all the time in class, 16 years. I know someone that was working on her PhD and was contacted through the loan group and said she couldn't get any more loans. And I said, oh really? What's the cap on that? And she said, $114,000. $114,000 in student debt. And she said, I don't know how I'm going to pay it all back, but, you know, my husband was sick and I needed the money. And so, you know, we just took out larger student loans to live on. So we have people that live in poverty because 
The um, exodus out of poverty is very hard for them. We have people that live in poverty because their lifestyle has had to change due to the economy, the job market, um, the recession, those kind of processes. And then we have people that live in poverty maybe because they've chosen education and academics, they've taken out significant um, loans and debts, and then struggling to pay them back. I had one young lady that was really struggling with what she wanted to do with her degree, and I'm like, take a semester off and just really, as we said then, chill out, you know, kind of process this, figure out what it is that you want to do kind of when you grow up, and then get back into college. And her eyes just bugged out, and she's like, I can't. I, I can't possibly do that. I'll have to start paying back my student loans. Well, every semester you stay in college and you do poorly in classes, you're just gaining more um, financial burden. Students that want to go on the mission field without realizing the debt that you acquire has to all be paid off before you can be sent there, before missions board is going to support you. So when we look at poverty in America, it takes on many different faces. Uh, we all have a picture in our mind of what someone that lives in poverty is. Most, most of the time, you know, we may look down on someone and say, you know, because of the very choices they made, they find themselves in poverty. One aspect of um, teaching a sociology course is having students do a community observation paper. Go out, minister, serve, write about it, kind of process it. And I've loved, we've got several food kitchens in this community, several homeless shelters. And when my students have come back from serving there, one girl came up and said, Mrs. Cole, I work at one of the hotels here in town and one of our maintenance men, a great guy. She's like, I know he makes reasonable money here, when I was serving down at the food kitchen this week, he went in and he was there. And she said, what I thought I would see, I was so surprised by. And she said, it really changed my heart to know that, um, you know, men that work full time struggle. And he said, I've had a couple of marriages. I have significant child support payments. I take care of my family. And one way I can do this is by um, coming here and eating for free every lunch hour. And, um, you know, I had another student that was st stunned, I think, by the other side of it. He was helping minister by giving out food boxes. And to get them through his church, you had to qualify. You had to apply, show your financial balance sheet, and get the food box. And he wrote, you know, Mrs. Cole, this woman drove up in a Lexus, dressed head to toe like she'd just been shopping at the mall, and she walked in to pick up her food box. And he said, without even thinking, I said, this is for you? And she's like... Yes. And he's like, how do you qualify? And she just looked outside and looked at him and said, my man, he pays for my car. You all take care of my food and I can dress myself. And she walked out and his jaw, he said, my jaw just hit the ground. That again, learned helplessness. She was bilking the system or learning, living off of the system. So am I being negative? No. If someone needs social welfare, if they need the support, that's what it's designed for. I've had students get married, find out they're pregnant, and I'll be like, have you looked into Medicaid? Have you looked into low-income housing? Or have you looked into this or that? And they'll be like, no. And I'm like, in my mind, I want you to take, take advantage of those resources if possible, because guess what? When you finish your academics, when you get out in the workforce, you're gonna be paying taxes back in. You're gonna be fortifying that system. You're not gonna be making it a lifestyle. Um, but that's where when we look at socialization, Individuals that are raised within that lifestyle or community may choose to stay within that system for a number of years. And with that, that's the negative side I, I, I talk about. 
because um, I don't want someone to feel uncomfortable if they're utilizing resources for a period of time. And when I have these discussions, I'll always have students go, Mrs. Cole, my dad was in seminary and we needed to live on welfare. Are you saying that's bad? Not at all, because again, He's out in the community, he's working, you're educated, and life is good. So poverty has many different phases. Um, it has um, many different aspects. And I know that many people are prideful and would choose not to utilize those resources. Um, they may find themselves very embarrassed by it, um, being able to see the need for it. In our state, Medicaid will pay for braces for a child who has significant need for that, will pay for glasses for a child. And so I encourage families, if their child's on Medicaid and they need those resources, to utilize it. Now, they may be going to, you know, a department store to pick out their glasses. They may not be getting $300 glasses, but that needs met for the child, their academics, they can see in school, they can, um, you know, have not have their teeth fall out. They can get dental, dental help. And so for me as a social worker, helping people get the resources they need is very, very important. Coming from the fact that people can get stuck in one of those situations, um, very much a, a concern for me. Um, I see people being raised in social services custody. One of the areas that we're really trying to improve with that, if a child's in foster care, being able to make sure that they have the training and the resources to get out on their own. We see all of these identical situations um, internationally. So individuals that are living overseas, um, being educated to move overseas. We were talking in our class yesterday about children from Africa. If their parents die of AIDS, they may not have any financial sponsor. They have to drop out of school because they can't pay for their books. They can't pay for their uniform. They need to be able to... Um, get those education, those resources, that aspect of their life in order, but we see them struggling because they don't have an organized social welfare system like we do in this country. So it's important as we send people out that they're able to engage and develop those kind of resources in a handy way.